0: Hello, I'm Brad Geddes. WebmasterRadio.fm wants to help you explore the keys to success in your internet marketing and expand your wealth of knowledge. Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app now available for iPhone and Android. Download it today from the iTunes store or Google Play store. Discover new ways to revolutionize your revenue stream linked right to your smartphone with the new WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app.
1: Prepare to experience marketing nirvana right now. Here are your hosts.
0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to Marketing Nirvana. I'm your host, Brad Geddes, the founder of Certified Knowledge. We're a marketing, training, and tool set company. And on this show, we investigate various ways in which your marketing efforts can reach a state of nirvana. You can find show notes and other information on our guests on certifiedknowledge.org. So today I've got another special guest with me, David Satella. If you were tuned into last month's episode, which we really got into how keywords work on display, David and I are going to keep going about how all this display items uh, works together. If you missed the show, A, you should go listen to it because it's going to set you up for this one. Um, In addition, you should recognize uh, David his name is he's a frequent conference speaker, consultant. He's the author of a PPC, An Hour of Day, um, a fantastic book. So welcome, David, again, and thanks for being on the show. Thank
2: you, Brad. Appreciate it.
0: So in the uh, in the last show, we we really got into how keywords functioned on display, how much we trusted or didn't trust Google's data for what they were showing us on display's um how themes versus real keywords works and all that good stuff and, and so what i would really like to do, go on on this show then is have us get into topic targeting which we kind of started with um interest because i know we both have some some thoughts about interest targeting some of the flexible stuff where you can bring these multiple things together and then um If we circle back to keywords, we're probably more on the negative effect of how we do minus placements and minus keywords and so forth. So that would be something else that would be good for everyone to to sort of listen to. So um, let's first start by defining the different ways you can target besides keywords on display just to make sure everyone kind of comes with us in our conversations. So can you um, first define topic targeting for us?
2: Sure. Uh, Topic targeting uh, is a way to tell Google, uh, please place my ads on uh, sites and pages that are about a specific subject. And um, currently there are over 2,000 different subjects or topics that allows you to target. Um, So topic targeting is simply saying, Google, place my ads on pages that are about, for example, I'm looking at it right now,
0: uh, celebrities and entertainment news. Okay, and so these are classified by, Google goes out and spiders the page, and they put them into their pre-listed categories.
2: That's true, and it's also based on uh, information that the site owner submits, which is a problem. uh, Because... uh, the the site owner sometimes tries to mess with google by claiming to be uh, claiming their sites to be about a, a variety of topics what they're really doing is they're trying to maximize their adsense revenue
0: yep so that's fair it's it's not it's not infallible okay and so our our other targeting is we have placement targeting can you quickly just make sure everyone knows what placements are cuz we've used the term but we didn't define it
2: sure uh, in its simplest form, you're saying, uh, the advertiser is saying, Google, place my ads on this particular site. Uh, you can also target sub subsections of sites. So you can get down to the individual page even. Uh, but more commonly, uh, you're telling Google, show my ads on all pages of this particular site.
0: Yeah. Perfect. And then interest. Interest is interesting. So um, how do you define interest targeting?
2: Well, um, First of all, Google uh, started collecting information about uh, each person that has a Google account and is signed into a Google account, which is uh, a, a lot of people these days. The type of information they collect includes uh, the sites that uh, the, the person logged into their Google account visits. And Google derives or infers information about each individual uh in a variety of ways, including what kinds of sites they visit. And um, so you can choose to target your ads to people who are interested in uh, a, a list, uh, uh, one of a list of categories that Google displays for you. Uh, now, that list of categories just happens to be exactly the same as the list of topics that uh, Google offers. So, so basically, you're saying Google show my ads to everybody, uh, to anybody who is interested in celebrities and entertainment news, for example. Um, it's important to note that you're telling Google show my ads to those people, no matter where they're, uh, vis- no matter what sites they're visiting on the Google Display Network. So you're not really concerned with uh, exactly what types of sites people are visiting, as you are. Presenting uh, your ads in front of uh, people who Google has inferred um, like a certain interest category.
0: In, in fact, I was sitting with some engineers a little while ago at, at Google, and, and I, I believe it was something like 17 or 19 or something sites that they said if someone can go to 17 or 19 sites, some, some number that's not very big, we, with a fair amount of confidence, and we're talking the 75 to 85 percent confidence levels – could determine your age, gender, and your top three or four interests just by those few sites. Um, now, here's – and you might not know this. I don't know if anyone really knows this. But how often does Google change your interest? So if I spend a day, um, and I've got a new client, and maybe they're you know, TMZ or something, and I spend a day in celebrity gossip. And Google says, wow, you go to a lot of celebrity gossip sites. And, and I don't, though. And so I stop this behavior after like 72 hours. Do you have any idea how long it takes Google to flush that out of their system? Yeah, or I have no, am I just always in celebrity gossip? I have no idea. Okay, that's been – some of my problems with, with interest targeting is, is that, but we'll, we'll circle back to that in a little bit. Yep. Um, and then Google has age and gender targeting, um, yes. which are really more of qualifiers for other types of targeting than independent targeting types, um, at least in my opinion. Because you don't do any ads that are just males uh, between 18 and 24, right? No, no. Okay, That's, that'd be pretty broad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that really kind of gets into flexible, which we'll get into in a moment. So let's, let's start with um, topics then. So in, in our last show, you were really saying how you have become a huge fan of topics. And you actually like to start with topics these days.
2: Yeah, uh, I have found, especially since uh, – when, when Google initially started to offer this capability, there were only i think three hundred fifty or so topics uh, now there are over two thousand so the likelihood that i'll find i 'll be able to find a topic that exactly relates to the the type of site where I want my ads to appear is much higher um, and I, in the last show I, I drew the the analogy to uh, keywords I said you know with keywords what i 'm trying to do is uh, create a theme, uh, or, or tell Google, show my ads on pages that match the theme that uh, this, the, the, this set of keywords uh, adds up to. Um, now I can pick the theme from the list of topics. So uh, frequently, not always, I'll start with, with topics because, again, I'll be able to find a topic that, complete, that exactly matches uh, the type of site where I want my ad to appear. Or they can be, it can be kind of force-fitted. Uh, we started to talk about the, the uh, effective ad, the ad uh, copy itself, on success of a Google Display Network campaign. So sometimes I'll be creative and I'll say, well, let's see, I'm selling uh, travel insurance. Maybe I'll target uh, people that are interested in, I'm looking at a list right now, people that are interested in a particular kind of automobile like uh, Mercedes and BMW. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, tailor the ad copy uh, to kind of work around to the travel insurance I'm selling. I'll say uh, in the ad copy, you, "You'll save so much money on uh, t- trips where you're where you're not losing money that you'll be able to afford a BMW." Not a perfect analogy, but you know you have to be creative when you're when you're uh, trying to expand the the reach of your display network campaign.
0: Yeah, in fact that gets in a question, I want to ask you about organization in just a second. But okay. let's take a quick break for our sponsors. they are we'll going to come back and actually look at, at how granular you do this by ad group or within ad groups or how it works. Give you a second to kind of think about this, this answer. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back and continue to talk about tar, uh, topic targeting.
1: More Marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors.
3: Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1 866 625 5717. That's eBrands with a Z for
1: eBrands.
3: How much time do you spend on SEO research and competitor analysis? What if we told you that there was an easier, faster way? Searchmetrics SEO software propels you to top positions on search engines around the world with our unique global search, social, and competitive data in over 60 countries. Gain a competitive advantage today with Searchmetrics.com. That's Searchmetrics.com.
4: Blog, blog, blog. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're the talk of the town. WebmasterRadio.fm. Thanks for listening. WebmasterRadio.fm. We're everywhere.
1: Injecting new life into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana. Presented by Certified Network, Only on WebmasterRadio.fm.
0: So we're back talking with uh, David Satella. Uh, about topic targeting, and, and so, David, you actually the, – the idea of the point was perfect where where you might choose a very granular category and write ads like category. So when you're doing topics, are you for the most part doing one topic per ad group, or do you lump them together? Because, again, this is what I've heard. You always have to separate advice Google gives you from reality, practitioners. Sure. And, and you know, Google's like, well, you can add all these topics in one ad group, and you can bid individually for the topics. So why wouldn't you do it? Um, and you know, usually the yeah, answer is the ad. But but, what's your thought there?
2: Um, my thought is that uh, you know, given if the if the advertiser has enough time to uh, to spend on hyper targeting, then hyper targeting is best. In other words, uh, one topic per ad group will work better than several different, especially uh, different in, in meaning, uh, topics per ad group. So I can t- again, so I can tailor my, my ad uh, to the topic, uh, and you know take a step further, tailor the ad and the landing page to the topic. That's where you get the best click-through rate and
0: conversion rates. So just like with search, we say. Be granular, your keywords related to your ads, your ads related to landing page. Same thing is true of display with topic targeting. Sure. Um, so so then you you said you like starting with topics, which you know is about the pages the user's on. Um, why do you where interest is the user interest, so it's different, right? Web pages versus user interests. Um, why don't you start with interest or or is interest your second step or how does it fit into your overall strategy?
2: Um, my overall strategy is uh, based on uh, what I've seen as the, uh, the mechanism that produces the best combination of click-through rate and conversion rates in general. Of course, there are exceptions, but um, the, the uh, mechanisms that I've seen get the best combination of click-through and conversion rates are in this order. Remarketing, which we haven't talked about. Uh, interest, placement – Topic, keyword.
0: Okay, I always totally agree with that. Um, all right, so you put interest higher than topics. So, yes. do you start with topics or do you start with interests?
2: Uh, these days, I start with interests. Okay, you know, and, and, and again, you know, I, I, th- here, here's the premise. Um, you know, first of all, I, I'm surprised, as I think you are, that uh, uh, Google is able to infer so well. The interests of an individual. Um, so, some some of the click through rates and conversion rates that that I've seen for interests targeting uh, approach those for remarketing. So, you know that's pretty powerful. You get double double digit. Uh, well, you get uh, click through rates uh, approaching search. I haven't seen many that that get up to the, to the levels of search. But with both remarketing and interest interest targeting, I've seen very healthy click through rates, certainly uh, getting close to one percent. So, uh, I th- I th- let's let's see if I can uh, think of a, a good example here. If I'm t- picking a topic which is uh, under the finance category, billing and invoicing, I have found Google to. Um, place my ads on a variety of sites that are just kind of financial in in uh, in theme, let's say. Whereas if I try to uh, target people that are interested in, in billing and invoicing, then uh, uh, Google does a better job of identifying the people. And I think part of part of the uh, the extra uh, kick you get is because of the fact that you're actually uh, you're you're kind of uh, stalking people. In other words, uh, the likelihood that they're going to see your ad on several sites, even if they're not related to finance, is high, whereas the multiple exposure might not um, be attainable if you're just targeting sites through topic targeting.
0: Okay, that leads me to, you have to lose me to two questions. So let's see if I can remember the second one when I ask the first one. So the first one then is, are you setting frequency caps for these?
2: Um, No. I don't tend to to set frequency frequency caps. Um, okay, I, 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 I can't even give you a good reason for it. because I mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're a search marketer, and that's a display yeah, world.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so.
0: Um, and do you so? I, I guess from my perspective, this is this is the reason I asked the question earlier about when does Google flush your interest? Right, so. What I'll see is – so I, I, I currently work with two travel companies. Now, one of them is a B2C specialist. And B2C customers, they buy a travel package once a year, maybe twice a year, sometimes every two years. Um, they research usually 20 to 22 sites before they actually buy. But once they buy, they're done. Now, the other one is actually a B2B specialist. They're they're more in the, the brokerage. They work for the company um, and so they they want to make sure – they have a lot of repeat buyers because like me, we travel all over the place. And so what I found is that when it's a one-off purchase and you don't repeat buy very often, topics usually do better than interest for me. And And I think this may have to do with how Google flushes that you're no longer interested in that topic. And if it's a repeat buyer – I find interest just like you do is better than topics and and this gets into where you know there's i don 't think I could quite put together some matrix that says you know if repeat buyer then interest first or yeah the interest first, then topics then keywords or something, and if single buyer um, then go topics then keywords and interest then I know there's some matrix that exists it 's not quite solidified yet um but do you see that kind of trend, or or are you? Is, for you, does it look like Google flushes data fast enough on an interest, or you know, do you see where topics are, but than an interest at times, or do you see interests are usually best?
2: I've seen that interests are usually best. Now, you know, y- you and I work on uh, a wide variety of campaigns, uh, very different types, and uh, this these capabilities have not been out for for too long. So um, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me that we've had uh, slightly different experiences so far. Um, yep. You know, let's let's talk about it a year from now and see if we can generate.
0: No, and that's why you know what everyone who's listening should not take what we say and say this is the way to do it. It's this is the way. Maybe think about it. Some ideas to test for yourself. Some frameworks of thinking about it. But it's never absolute. Yeah, uh, because everything is is so different. Okay, but, so you're. I'll go ahead. Well, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned um, caps because,
2: um, you know, I, if there are any Google people, Google product managers listening, uh, I've got a suggestion for a, for a feature. Uh, the frequency caps, um, is, unless they've changed recently, uh, don't let you do the following, which is to say uh, show this ad to an individual um, 10 times, uh, period, and then never show it to them again. Uh, As far as I know, the the the, uh, frequency caps available for display network in general uh, let you uh, say show this ad no more than once per week or five times per month, but the whole thing restarts after the period that's specified. See what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I do. And you know, Google takes their frequency cap thoughts and stuff from like their double click side in the display world and. And the display world has never put that rule in place and odds are the reason why it comes down to money is because then it, over time it shortens the pool of ads they can show to people. Absolutely. Um, so that's probably why i have never seen that. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I will yeah. I will bring that up with them one of yeah. these days. And I'm sure that's exactly what they're gonna say is when enough people request it, then maybe we'll think about it as a feature. Right, right. we right. uh, <laughs> you know how that goes. Yes, so do. so your interests then topics uh, – sorry, interest, then placements, then topics. Yes. Um, so, so what's but your –
2: Remarketing is at the top of the list.
0: Yeah, that's true, and we can do entire show on remarketing. That is so complex. It okay. can be. Um, so remarketing first. Then we have interest, so placements. So um. I was very disappointed to see that Google Ad Planner was essentially neutered in their last update – um, where they've really taken a lot of features. You can't see anything non-display related. Even for some display sites, the, the data is no longer there. Um, what are you using now for placement research?
2: Um, good question. I, I, I'm, I'm relying exclusively on the Google AdWords tools. Okay
0: yeah i i I mean Google ad planner was such a fantastic tool that I yes. was just it was great i mean for a lot of different things and yep. and they just kind of neutered its really cool capabilities yeah um okay, so we're gonna do this so in a moment we're gonna take a break for our sponsors and what we're gonna come back and talk about is flexible targeting. And, and, David, I know you've got just some interesting ideas about how to do this and ways of doing some combination targeting together and, and things you've thought about. So let's take a break for our sponsors, and then we're going to let David get into some fun stuff that he's tried or seeing or thinking about with flexible targeting.
1: More Marketing Nirvana after we thank our sponsors.
3: And join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king.
4: Your virtual webmaster frat house. Webmasterradio.fm. Hey, bring your togas. Webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening. Webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere.
1: Injecting new life into your internet marketing. Welcome back to Marketing Nirvana. Presented by Certified Knowledge.org. Only on Webmasterradio.fm.
0: And so we're back talking with uh, David Satella uh, about Display Network, and Google rolled out just a, a powerful feature change to display a few months ago where you can really combine your targeting methods, positive and negative, at the ad group level, you know, known as uh, uh, flexible targeting. Not seeing it used a lot yet by people, but some. And and so, David, what I kind of want you to do. We have you know like six or seven minutes left. Is to to get into you know a few interesting ways you're using this, or, or thinking about using it, or how you've seen some cool stuff going on with flexible targeting.
2: Sure. Well, um, first of all, uh, this is a big, big change for the Google Display Network. Um, the 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 evolution, and I I won't go into a lot of detail about this, but the evolution was. Uh, no display network control, uh, in other words, search and display together, to um, being able to, to target the display network, to be to being able to display, to create uh, different kinds of campaigns, either keyword targeted or what was previously called site targeted, which became placement targeted. Um, then there was a brief period where Google was saying there are now two types of, of campaigns. One is called uh, broad targeting, the other one is called specific targeting. And let's dwell on that for a second because that's uh, segued into what we have now. Uh, broad targeting was saying, uh, was, was with the advertiser saying, Google, uh, use um, one type of targeting as my primary targeting and use all of the other types of targeting that I employ uh, as bid modifiers. So, for example, if you had a keyword targeted campaign and you included placements, then uh, the targeting, the actual targeting that is determining where your ads appear, uh, were, was determined by the keywords, and uh, the placements, uh, including placements, allowed you to bid separately on the placements that you included. So specific reach, uh, the second type of of c- campaign type, uh, said uh, what what seems to be more the the um, what, what advertisers intuitively think of when, when targeting types are combined. So that was broad reach targeting. Uh, specific reach targeting is, the, is a type that uh, I, I think many advertisers thought was the default. Uh, it wasn't. Uh, and that is uh, if you use more than one targeting type, those targeting types were additive. So for example, if you included placements, keywords, and uh, gender, for example, you were saying to Google, uh, show my ads on these placements, uh, but only on pages that uh, match the theme of these keywords and only to the gender modifier uh, I, I've included as, a, as another targeting mechanism. So then, uh, pretty recently, uh, Google decided that were, all of the targeting would take place at the ad group level and uh, used the, the term flexible targeting to, to imply that this would give advertisers more flexibility. Uh, I guess it does, but it's also, uh, I think, for a lot of advertisers, more confusing. Um, And the main reason is that the default behavior is um, broad. So then pretty recently, Google decided that there would be only one type of Google Display Network campaign and that all targeting would take place at the ad group level. And they call this flexible targeting. And it really is flexible and, and more powerful if you know what you're doing, but it is also, I believe, a, a little bit more confusing for, for new advertisers. Uh, it turns out that the default behavior uh, for ad groups uh, when you're creating a new ad group, a new display network ad group, is the same as um, specific reach. In other words, um, when you have more than one targeting uh, method, then... Uh, the behavior is uh, that the targeting methods are additive, and you have to do something special if you want to uh, create create a targeting method that uh, where where the uh, targeting the the bid pricing changes per the targeting method. So I'll I'll give a few examples. Uh, the most common one is um, a, a strategy that uh, most professional uh, Google Display Network advertisers would use would be uh, run a keyword uh, t- targeted campaign, uh, or a place um, or a topic targeted campaign. Uh, over time, look at the performance of individual um, called automatic placements that uh, Google is choosing, and um, for the for the placements that perform well, drag them into a separate placement targeted campaign uh, and use negative placements to make sure that the keyword-targeted campaign was not placing ads based on the keywords. Uh, so you actually had to create two different campaigns to uh, employ this technique, but it's the, the most effective, the most uh, uh, the, the one that helps you uh, bid separately on each placement that performs well and stop um, displaying ads on placements that don't perform well. Now you can do that in all-in-one ad group. Um, and the way you do it is your, your, um, your primary targeting method is either keyword or topic. Um, you include within the ad group negative placements when you identify placements that aren't performing well for you. And for, um, for placements that do perform well for you, but you want to vary the bid, you just include those those placements in the same ad group and, um, Make sure that uh, you change the targeting uh, to show ads on all eligible placements, which is done via a little tiny edit uh, underscored edit button uh, underneath the field where you put the keywords or the place or the or the topics. Sorry if that was long winded, but
0: um, it actually is. Sorry, go ahead, Brad. No, so at the end, right? You're you're still doing the workflow. In fact, I'm. I don't want to take credit for this, but I think I invented this workflow back in two thousand and five. Um where, where it was, you know, where do we do well, where do we not do well, take what we do well, that's our discovery campaign, add it to our our placement campaign, get rid of it from discovery, go find some new stuff and, and that's moved to the um the group levels now. And then with flexible you can add topics and keywords and stuff over top of there, right? You can just combine right. them all together. Yes. Um you know, which is which is great. So are you using that a lot? Oh, yeah. Um,
2: that's that's the default for um, any campaign where targeting is by uh, keywords or, or topics.
0: Now, I, I guess I want to wrap – we're going to wrap up here soon. We have to. We're almost out of time. But what I want – also want to get into it with – I don't know if it's really flexible, but negatives. So mm-hmm. with this, you can also do negative topics and negative keywords and negative audiences. They don't have to be positive. Yep. Um, how how accurate or how well on or how should you even use negatives on display?
2: That's a really good question because I find that uh, one of the uh, biggest mistakes that advertisers make uh, is just porting over uh, search campaigns and using the keywords, the ads, and the negative keywords um, for the display that they've used in search. And keyword negative keywords work very differently in search and display. In in search, they they uh, say uh, Google when um, when this word or these words appear in the search query, don't show my ads. Whereas uh, in display, uh, when you use negative keywords, you're telling Google don't show my ads on pages that contain these keywords. Uh, and that can it can be very dangerous if you have a long list of keywords because frequently those negative keywords uh, can naturally appear on the pages where you want your ads to appear. So they should be used very, very sparingly. Uh, an example of, of uh, a good usage of negative keywords uh, might be where you're selling ski trips and, and uh, you want your ads appearing on ski enthusiast sites, but you don't want your ads to appear on pages where that describe uh, catastrophes in skiing, uh, avalanches,
0: and... and uh, Uh, Ski lift. (laughs) Well, and even the word water there, right? Because you have water skis and snow skis. Good point. Um, So
2: those those are some of the negative keywords you should use. Yeah,
0: the big grand negatives that you may actually never use on search, but they're they're more, again, theme shaping words on display. That's right. So Google, I forget it was you or someone else recently approached me because… They had more than 50 negative keywords in, negative keywords on a display ad group, and Google told them that if you do that, we pretty much can't figure out what you're doing, and you will get terrible, terrible targeting and never use more than 50. Negatives. In fact, if you have more than 50 negatives, we're only going to use 50. And, and going back to our last episode on keyword targeting, I guess maybe to combine these two together, I found that a very interesting statement because – If you have more than 50 positive keywords in an ad group, Google only uses 50. So it it almost validates what we started talking about on a good hour ago um, from last episode about theme matching because they only use up to 50, and they do the same for negatives too. So if you Hmm. break 50, it breaks their system essentially. Um,
2: Yeah, I I had never heard that. Um, But practically speaking, if, if you've got 50 negative keywords, the likelihood that you're Saying to Google, "Don't show my ads on a lot of pages," is high, and uh, the the volume that you're reaching would be. And I've seen this. I've seen it. Uh, I've seen uh, advertisers scratching their heads, saying, "I can't get any traction with my display network campaigns." You know, I, I'm, I'm getting very few impressions and clicks, and the culprit is uh, these long negative keyword lists.
0: Yep. yep. All right, so we're almost out of time. So, all right, so. Give us one cool other way of using flexible targeting, something that either you've used or want to use that just is something that gives us something to think about of these new possibilities. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, not a I wouldn't say skeptic,
2: but I, I'm not sure that um, Google, uh, you know, I think this is a, a classic case of giving flexibility to, uh, a small number of advertisers, in other words, uh, you know the number of advertisers that uh, have the time for and the need for uh, such very specific hyper targeting is low compared to the the, the majority of advertisers so I, I think it 's become uh, a little more complex than than I would have designed it. Uh, I would just suggest that um, general advertisers not try to uh, uh, get too sophisticated with combining. Um, targeting types. You know, stick to one main targeting type and spend a lot of time on. Uh, I'll just repeat what I said earlier because I think it's so key: uh, writing ad copy that corresponds to the people that you're reaching on on the sites where your ads are appearing, and um, ties together the 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 interest of those people uh, with your product or service, and then for extra points. Design a landing page that mirrors the the promise or the theme of
0: your ad. You know, what, Dave, that's a good point because sometimes I see this stuff and I'm like, "What's the craziest stuff I can do with it?" You know what? And sometimes if you're new to this or you're just want to get stuff done, don't overthink it. That's actually great right. advice too.
2: Right? You know, it's just like yeah. Um, uh, you know, one of the things I like about uh, PPC and decided not to do SEO is that um, with PPC, I think there are more. Simple, hard and fast rules, uh, and there's less of an advantage to uh, trying to game the system or find out uh, some some deep technical uh, you know advantage that you can take.
0: Oh, that's fair. It's yeah, you know, PVC at its core is granular targeting plus lots of testing. Yep, absolutely. Perfect. Uh, well, thank you, David. This has been another fantastic show as usual. Kind of, so we expect that from you. Um mean, you thank always you. deliver. <laughs> Thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. I appreciate it being asked on. Uh, definitely. So um, if someone wants to go find more about you, follow you on the web, stalk you a little bit, where can they find you?
2: Well, I spend a lot of time on Twitter uh, trying to uh, retweet, uh, uh, direct people to great articles and uh, new findings on PPC advertising. And my handle is at uh, That's S-Z-E-T-E-L-A. And I am doing some consulting and taking on some clients, so uh, anyone interested in that can email me at satella at gmail.com.
0: And on our show notes, which we always put on sort of org after the show, I will also put links to, uh, to David's Twitter handle. I, of course, have followed David for years. Lots of good stuff there. And uh, so thanks, David, for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks, Brad. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another episode of Mark and Nirvana. As a reminder, show notes and other information about our guests can be found on CertifiedKnowledge.org. New episodes of Mark and Ivana can be found on Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find the archives or past episodes on Webmaster.fm, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, the Webmaster.fm iPhone app, or Google Play. Thank you for listening.